Welcome to Asia Rising, the podcast of Latrobe Asia, where we discuss the news, events, and general happenings of Asia's states and societies. I'm your host, Nick Bisley, the Executive Director of Latrobe Asia. That India is the world's largest and most diverse democracy is well known. Kanahia Kumar, the head of Delhi's Jawaharlal Nehru University Student Union, was arrested and charged with sedition on the 12th of February and awaits his appeal. There have been protests across the country against the use of the draconian law. While many critics of the Modi government feel that this confirms their worst suspicions that the Gujarati strongman has scant regard for the liberal notions that underpin the constitution of post-colonial India. Joining me to discuss the sedition controversy in India is Dr. Ian Wolford, head of Latrobe University's Hindi and South Asian Studies program. Welcome back to the program, Ian. Thanks very much. It's always great to chat with you, Nick. So let's start with some basic facts yeah. about what happened, or at least what people say happened, because just what occurred is itself subject to pretty serious contestation. There's some definitely some alternate stories flying around, and social media is playing a big part in this, and it is difficult, I think, even for people sitting in Delhi to know exactly what's happening, let alone Australia. But uh, you mentioned this arrest on February 12th. The student, Kanayu Kumar, the head of the Jawaharlal Nehru Student Union, was arrested, charged with sedition. Based on several things, but it seems primarily to be based on a rally that he was present at on February 9th, where it's alleged that some anti-India slogans were shouted. And then as we start digging deeper, we find out that the police chief B.S. Bussi was, was basing this on a video. There's a video of these anti-India slogans, and we know now that this video was clearly doctored. So that's not in question anymore to show Kanayu Kumar shouting pro-Pakistan slogans, basically. So this has happened. And yet he's been arrested. He's in jail. Several other students have been arrested, again, on these, these sedition charges. So you have this... Um Event as it's sometimes yes, described. this event on February 9th. 9th, and that was marking what the third anniversary of the execution of Afsal Guru is a convicted terrorist. He was convicted for uh, an attack on on Parliament in 2001 when gunmen entered Parliament and killed I think it was nine people. Uh, so it was a horrific attack. Uh, there are people in India who have questioned the trial. Afsal Guru questioned the use of the death penalty, and Kanayu Kumar is one of these people, and that was part of the, the protest, absolutely. So you've got charges against Kumar and a number of others. Mm. He's arrested in breach of the sedition law, um, yeah. and it all seems to center around competing claims about what was said, what wasn't said, the extent to which it's um, a threat to, quote-unquote, national unity. Yeah, and the word that's being thrown around is anti-national. He's accusing me of Daesh Durohi, like an enemy of the Daesh of the country. And in fact, in a debate in Parliament yesterday, actually wonderful to see this debate. It was nice to see people standing up, debating these issues in Parliament on both sides, talking about it, but not getting arrested for, for discussing it. Because you mentioned India being the world's largest democracy. So I enjoyed watching ministers on both sides of this issue argue it out. This is what should be happening. And obviously there are some who who very much support Kanaya Kumar's right to question the state, to question state action. And there are some, uh, most notably Smriti Irani, human resource development minister, uh, very much leading a charge against him. So this debate is is happening and it would be wonderful to watch if it weren't against a backdrop of students actually being arrested for things that they were saying, being arrested for things that a lot of legal experts in India are saying that this law doesn't apply to. The sedition laws specifically criminalize speech that leads to violence, actual provocations to violence, which a lot of experts are saying, even if the worst were true, they're saying this wouldn't be the case. Now, as we know, I think it's pretty clear that, that the evidence against Kanaya seems to have been fabricated by 
overzealous news producers or political opponents. It's not clear how this happened. His his actual speech is getting quite widely circulated. These slogans he's chanted, the keyword is azadi, mm-hmm. freedom. This can mean all kinds of things. And in the context of actual speech, he was calling for azadi from capitalism, azadi from oppression, azadi for women. You can certainly look at it and say, oh, he's overly idealistic, he's naive, all of these are perfectly good charges, but the actual things you were saying are not that controversial. We seem to have multiple layers of issues, because obviously there's freedom of speech mm. and the question of sedition and issues around that. But the scale of what's happened, both the over-the-top reaction by government, then the reaction to defend it seems that not to say that the issues themselves are just superficial, but there seems to be deeper cross-currents for which this is a kind of symptom, if you like, of these tensions that exist within I India. I think you're right. This is exposing a lot of tensions. The criticism against this university in particular, JNU, Jawaharlal Nehru University, is not a new one. The basic criticism is always a bastion of leftism. All these teachers are Marxists and they're indoctrinating their students in, in Marxist thought. Never heard that charge level about a university before. There's some truth to it in terms of it's certainly a left-leaning faculty, a left-leaning institution. Kanayu Kumar is the student party that he's head of, is affiliated with the Communist Party of India. But I mean, I know faculty at JNU and there's there's right-wing mm-hmm. faculty, there's left-wing faculty that are all over. And obviously the Akhil Bharati of uh, Vidyati Parishad, which is the BJP associated student group, is very strong on campus. They're demonstrating the power that they have right now and apparently they have the ear of top ministers in government and they're able to influence things. So clearly there's a strong right-wing presence on campus as well. Let's dig into the the sedition issue itself, because what has been said, even if you take the worst possible interpretation, the stuff around the doctored comments about referring to Kashmir and tearing apart the country, most countries in the world, this is just something in which you couldn't possibly arrest someone for saying this. So what? Well, I'm asked, because I've been somewhat vocal about this as an academic and as someone who mentors PhD students, I'm automatically upset when PhD students are being arrested for things they're saying. And I've, I've made that clear. And the reaction a lot of people said to me is, but how would you feel in Australia, in America, if people started supporting terrorists and calling for the destruction of the country? That's sort of the, the idea. And obviously, it's not that there aren't limits on things, but that kind of protest in Australia, it does, it does happen. There's a discussion in India about what the limits of free speech should be, though. At least online, on social media, this seems to be a new concept. I mean, basically saying this shouldn't be allowed. Smriti Irani, the human resource development minister, when she was asked specifically on camera about what do you say about what's happening at JNU, she made a very interesting statement. Bharat Mata she said that Mother India, and here she's really referring to Mother India as a goddess, cannot tolerate any kind of insult. And this is a very common sentiment among a lot of people in India. When you actually look at the law, I'm going off of what some legal experts are saying, that, mm. the, that the law doesn't speak about insults to Mother India. That simply isn't there. I mean, the worst of the slogans which are on video, someone at some point, uh, probably on February 9th, shouted, long live Pakistan, basically, and down with India, these kind of slogans. This does seem to have happened. It's not clear who said them. Kanayu Kumar immediately denounced them. So the question is, what should be done with a student on a campus who is shouting pro-Pakistan slogans? I think it's the debate that's being had. I mean, I'm not a legal scholar, but it seems that the way in which freedom of speech is legally enshrined in India does provide some scope in which the courts can weigh in. Say, for example, you Uh, don't have in the US where you've got a pretty robust constitutionally guaranteed right to free expression that essentially that's there and the government has to prove why it shouldn't be the case. It seems that the Indian framework is a little bit 
looser. It, it does seem to be a bit looser. A lot of people are saying that this should have been handled internally by the university. They had the power to expel these students or sanction them in some way. And people on the other side are really saying that any kind of pro-Pakistan slogan like this is an incitement to violence along the lines of what the sedition law does apply to. So that's sort of the divide here. And that kind of debate was being played out in Parliament yesterday, where members of the BJP, my understanding is they are directed from the top to take a real hard line on this in Parliament. I've only heard members of the BJP actually say these slogans, but they're repeating them in Parliament and demanding, does Rahul Gandhi agree with this or not? Does Sonia Gandhi agree with this or not? So they're demanding that people stand up in Parliament and declare their, their patriotism is what's happening. Yeah, stepping back from it, mm. particularly for listeners who, who are perhaps not as familiar with India and its, and its history as, as those who pay close attention to it are, there is a sense that living memory, you had the partition of British India with a pretty serious amount of communal bloodshed that went with it. You've had this long history of civil unrest, both government prompted and, and, Absolutely. and not. There is a sense that the country is potentially a fragile one and that the unity is threatened, not necessarily by these guys, but there's you know this idea of Mother India as, as vulnerable, fragile, threatened. I don't know if I can speak to the, the mentality of what of an Indian citizen in this. Definitely what some people are arguing now is when we prosecute every little anti-India slogan like this, the implication is that we're saying that India is fragile. Mm. And if we don't prosecute every little thing, that's affirming the strength of India. That's what people are saying. Yeah, and, and that probably brings us to an interesting question, which is a political scientist in me looks at this and go, BJP has just played this really badly. You know, this is tactically by dumping a ton of bricks on it, you've heightened the publicity of the cause that this guy's putting forward. You've made a martyr out of this guy. I mean, to me, it seems it shows a degree of fragility or concern or fear that this sentiment's got to be crushed and crushed and crushed and pounded and smashed. Whereas it's you know, just a bunch of you know, left-wing students saying the sort of thing left-wing students have been saying for generations. They, they really have. What's really is noticeable to me, when I sat down and talked to you after the election where Modi's government came into power, we were both amazed at the, the support he had from India's youth. Something uh, Craig Jeffrey over at head of the Australia India Institute likes to say that one out of every six people on earth is an Indian youth. I mean, this is a huge number of people and they supported they supported the BJP. They voted for them. So it's utterly strange to see Modi's government come down on students like this because it's creating a group of allies among youth who wouldn't necessarily be allied mm. normally. And it's alienating one of the, the most important voting blocks that he's had. So I'm, I'm surprised to see it. I mean, do you think it's got something to do with the fact that the shine does seem to have come off him for the first year or so, 18 months in office, he seemed kind of this bulletproof figure who was charming the world. You know, every world leader has a special relationship with Modi. Everyone gets hugs. The Make in India campaign, the PR was amazing. But, you know, electorally, he's lost Bihar, Bihar. Uttar Pradesh, Delhi. Delhi was a huge blow. Bihar, just a few months ago, was another huge blow. And there's a, a series of elections coming up. And definitely a lot of people in India are saying that this is about electoral politics. It's about trying to change some sort of uh, some sort of narrative. Is it playing to the base that might otherwise be sort of going, maybe this guy isn't for us. We need someone who's more. It looks that way. And the people who are arguing that, I can't help but agree with them that something like that's going on here. Yeah. I mean, it just seems to smack of a, a lack of confidence more than anything. I mean, if you look at it and just kind of go, is this a country that's that's competent on the rise, a country that wants, as Modi often likes to talk about, to be at the high table of international politics and all these sort of things. 
Well, there's no... They and there's, can't cope with this kind of... No, they can't cope with it. And it's, it's upsetting for me because this isn't the story I want to be talking about with India at all. Mm. And this is, but of course, this is getting international attention because it's, it surprises people. People don't think of this as happening in India. Mm. To have this happen in Delhi, to have this student, he was arrested and then taken to court on the 12th and he was attacked by a group of lawyers. This was, this is what made me physically ill just watching it. The disputed reports about what happened, but the best case scenario is, is that the police had to protect Kanhaya Kumar from a, a large group of lawyers and people dressed as lawyers who were physically attacking him. And this happened in the courthouse, spread onto the streets, and journalists were also targeted. The worst case scenario, which is what a lot of eyewitnesses are saying and what an India human rights reporters just said, is that the police kind of stood by and let it happen. Testimony based on the medical examination of, of Kanaya, which shows clear injuries to him, and also with interviews with various politicians and, and lawyers who were involved in the beatings who were are quite proud of having committed this violence. The narrative is not looking good. It's not looking good for this police chief who is unable to prevent this violence or he's being accused of allowing it to happen while going after these students who really, why are they being targeted at all? So yeah, it doesn't I mean, I, look good. I remember seeing the, the coverage of the quote-unquote lawyers, but by all accounts, some of them in fact were lawyers, beating this guy up. And I was like, what on earth is going on? You here? can't, uh, no, it's it's a terrible story. It's a terrible to come out. You can't beat up prisoners in custody and, and especially not in the Patiala courthouse in the nation's capital. It's, it was uh, was shocking to see. And of course, there's critics of Modi who, you know, go back a long way and see in this echoes of 2002, where you had the anti-Muslim bloodletting, basically. Pretty substantive allegations made essentially saying that the government kind of knew what was going on. In some cases, people saying active conniving by the government to encourage this activity. But at least of all, you've got to kind of look the other way, allowing things to occur, which seem to be on the face of it, at any rate, kind of beyond the pale. Whatever parallels could or couldn't be drawn, one thing is clear is he hasn't come out and said anything clearly. He's been quite silent I mean, in the midst of all this, he gave a speech at Banaras Hindu University in, in Varanasi, where he talked about the importance of nurturing students and keeping the student alive in each of us and the importance of that, which seemed quite tone deaf when the government was cracking down on, on students um, in another part of, of the country. It was sort of strange to see. He's definitely not speaking out on this. This has been a huge issue in India, and for people who watch India closely, this is the story at the moment. It is, it is huge. And yeah. yet, in Australia at any rate, there is not a column inch, nothing about this. Any sense of to why that's the case? Certainly, it's starting to get some international attention. I can't say why it hasn't been picked up in, in Australia as much, other than perhaps it doesn't fit the narrative that we've been seeing with, with India, which is regard to an emerging economic powerhouse, one of our key partners that's, that's coming up, which I certainly want to be the main story. Maybe we're just not sure how to fit that in. All right, we're running out of time, but just yeah. a quick, how do you think this might end or how is it going to play out? Moving forward, you know, the Delhi police have, I, I think they've just denied bail to Kanhaya, locked up a couple of other students. And I don't know where they can go with this since the evidence that they were using is so clearly manufactured mm. and doctored. This story involves fake videos, fake tweets from Twitter accounts mm. that were taken to be real. I mean, I mean, it's sort of ridiculous, but they seem to be digging their heels in. I don't see how they can can back down. There's a lot of people demanding the immediate release of, of Kanaya Kumar. I think it will have to play out in court a bit. I think some of this evidence will have to be presented. I don't know. I'm, I'm worried that they're 
going to need to find some student to imprison, but but the evidence I don't think is going to hold it up. So I don't know. I think it'll play out at the voting booth, I think, is what we have to, to wait for and see what happens. Well, that's all the time we have. Thank you, Ian, once again for being part of the program. Thanks. Thanks again, Nick. You yeah. can follow Ian Wolford on Twitter at IA Wolford, that's I-A-W-O-O-L-F-O-R-D, or me at Nick Bisley. You've been listening to Asia Rising, a podcast of the Trobasia. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to Asia Rising on iTunes or SoundCloud. And while you're there, do leave a rating and a review to help us spread the word. Thanks for listening.